0: So do you use any of the storytelling and, like, the advocacy work that you do now with the health department? Sort of, kind of. I think I use it more just for my own entertainment and and reminiscing about people I've known. And, you know, when you meet really um, impressive characters, they leave an imprint on your your psyche and in your heart, little footprints in your heart, so to speak. And, And there are a few that I, you know, hearken back to. Now and again, and some of them I've shared. You know, like my my colleague Annie Larth, who retired. We can kind of talk about some of the folks that we cared that for back in the remember, day. Right. Mm-hmm. So is there? I mean, that that is one of the questions. Is there any any memorable um, patient situation, mm. patient that you would want to share? Yeah, it, you know, there's so many of them, and and some of them. You know, I've kept relationship with people, which has been really another unexpected gift that I reconnected with a woman through Facebook who was the girlfriend of someone I had cared for who passed away at a young age. And uh, and she was really um, edified and helped by reconnecting and having somebody to sort of go over that period of her life because she went on and changed quite a bit. She and her boyfriend at the time were both homeless and had been in a big scuffle and she had stabbed him. He got x-rayed and the x-ray revealed that he had tuberculosis. And he had to go and undergo treatment. And I was a little trepidatious, I guess you could say, at the idea of, oh, I got to take care of this guy and his girlfriend. And they have just had this real row. And um, I wondered what it was going to be like, you know, were they going to be fighting all the time? Was I going to be, you know, brought into the fray in any kind of way? So uh, when I met them, it was like, love at first sight. I guess you could say they were just adorable and funny and witty and really uh, reckless kind of people um, living really hard lives of drinking hard and staying outside. Um, and they had a cast of characters around them that were just really interesting and and um, kind of rough. And um, we had to treat a young man for his active tuberculosis, which takes months. And I I was visiting them daily or at least twice a week to make sure that he was taking his medication for the nine-month period to get him to cure. And... uh, uh, you know, you get to know people pretty well when you have to wake them up in the morning and find them, and they're moving around here and there and hearing their daily stories, stuff that they've been through. And and both of them would wind up in jail every so often, and they had two dogs uh, who would also wind up in the pound when they were jailed mm-hmm. or otherwise detained. And um, they asked us to help, me and Ann, the other nurse, to help spring the dogs out of the pound. And we would forward, you know, we would do that. And they would always come through with paying us back for that, which was, I didn't expect to get paid back. and I didn't care, really. Um, you know, kind of one of the tenets of TB treatment is anything to get the person to the, uh, the end goal of having them get treated. So doing something weird like, you know, springing their dog out of doggy jail was not a big deal. And and you took care of them the dogs the dogs no we just bring them out of jail we just give them the money to get them out of the pound so you know they didn't have licenses so they'd always have to be paying to free their dogs it was a little bit looser system back then than it is now but um, they get the dogs freed or they had a friend who had to do a little bit more time and I carried his tools in my trunk for a long time. He was a leather worker. And that was like a favor. There was like this kind of like street favors that you kind of can get involved in doing with people. And and it's sort of a trust thing, you know. Can I trust you to watch my tools? And really appreciate it, you know, because there's nowhere to stay, safely store your stuff when you're really on the street. So um, anyway, unfortunately, this young man, he died. He, he contracted pneumonia after aspirating um, vomit when he was really drunk, and he died, like, just maybe two weeks after finishing his TB treatment. And it was the first mm-hmm. time they'd had an apartment, and the first time he'd had any kind of... They, they just moved into housing to a little... Back then, you could rent a flop house down on... Oh, I think they were on First and Vine, and they had a... A little place down there was like 150 a week or something really reasonable. And just for a short period of time, they probably would have kept it, but they hadn't had anything like that prior. And he hadn't had anything since he was 13. Um, And it was, you know, really sad. He was only 30-something and... um, uh, we Anne and I went to the funeral, and while we were at the funeral, there, um, which was officiated by this lovely young uh, minister at the um, the Lutheran Church over in the Cascade area, he um, uh, did a beautiful job, and they played Paul's favorite song on the on the radio, and. Um, Suddenly, I saw the young lady kind of look up, and there was a figure coming over the hillside. It was a Queen Anne Cemetery on Ray Street, which is very beautiful. Here comes this tall cut of a man over the hill, and she looked, and I saw the kind of look on her face, like, oh, there's some history or something between her and this guy. And he walks up, and he's got three teardrop tattoos and these piercing pale green eyes, and he's just quite the the guy. In a jaunty hat. and um, three months later, uh, we were invited to no, six months later, we were invited to a wedding. She married yeah. this fellow who appeared at the funeral. but she had known him. She'd before. known him before. they were all mutual friends. Yeah. and uh, and then four months after that, and Anne and I went to their little wedding, which was you know, really sweet to be able to do that. And a few months later, um, she was pregnant, and I was going up James Street towards Harborview, and he was standing on the side of the street and waving his arms. He saw me in the in the car, and he's yelling. He said, "Heather, Heather, she's at the hospital, man. She's at the hospital, and she just had this." the baby she spit it out like a watermelon seed and she says guess what we named her i said what he says heather ann after oh. you and ann because you're the only <laughs> straight people we know and we're like oh my gosh this is so fabulous so you know we never had a baby named after us pretty nice and um over the years just kind of kept in touch with them and at one time she ha- had another pregnancy i was our case manager for a short while with another project i worked with and uh, it's funny how you know, things just kind of keep coming around. Then I'd run into this gentleman every so often. We helped him. I think he actually had contracted tb too, and he had some other comorbidities and wound up going back to his place in the Midwest a couple times for some treatments, but um, really stayed in touch with him for off and on over many years, and then really just recently reconnected with her and so she she her, found you on Facebook. The namesake is doing great. Ah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I was ask yeah and she yeah name. she found me on Facebook, and she's doing really great too. She's in a much better place, and, and you know I sent her some pictures I had from back when um, I'd taken some pictures of her and her previous partners, yeah. and they were really precious to her because she didn't have you know kept hadn't been able to keep track of things like that wow. from that period of her life. So yeah. So when you live long enough, you kind of start seeing the generations. Yeah, <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder when the namesake will have a baby. Who knows? You know, right. three generations of people. Yeah. But, so those are. It sounds like that some highlights and some um, some work that kind of gives you joy. And yeah, to, re- I find most all of it pretty. Um, happiness-inducing. I'm very sad for the situations, but the people themselves are always great. And, you know, sometimes people's situations are heartbreakingly sad. And and certainly this couple had a lot of tragedy and sadness in their relationship. And during the time they were together, they lost a friend who got hit by a truck that was a close friend to both of them. And uh, you just see a lot of loss in people's lives. And then the trauma backgrounds that the folks come from like are astonishing and and you know really wrenching to know about and the lived experience of persons every day you know they're facing all sorts of obstacles and and prejudice and judgment and lack of inclusion and that's all hard that's all hard to see but the stories of the people and the the um you know, resiliency of people is very heartening. And then there's, you know, we talk a lot about resiliency and survivability and strength. At the same time, there's times when people don't have any of that and can be really hard. Um, not everybody gets a fair shake, and there's, for so many people, not a wonderful happy ending, you know. And that's sad. But you know, as a nurse, you kind of cultivate a sense of of um, of healthy detachment. I would say, you know, not not um, coldness or or lack of empathy or understanding, but just an acceptance that life is fundamentally unfair in many cases. But you can't, um, you know, just give up and lie down and moan about it. You have to keep going and mind those happy moments and look for the um, um, entertainment quality in, in relationships and be, you know, a happy recipient of people's humor and their unique stories. That's a real, I think that's the huge gift of being a nurse, working in um, with people who are in uh, bad situations, is you get to see how people can get over things, and you get to also see how um, people live day to day and find humor in living. Right, right. the the quirky the quirky wonderful <laughs> stories <laughs> in right. people. So that that helps to get you through the, the the difficult ones. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I never took other people's situations to be my own, in, in a sense, I've always been able to maintain that that level of um, detachment, I guess you could say. In, in uh, I think it's kind of unfair to sort of usurp the pain of other people's existence in some kind of a way. It's theirs, you know, and me crying about it isn't going to make much difference.